sweater spotted this morning. You know, actually, during 9-11 was my first abortion appointment. I think it was the pure, unadulterated homoeroticism of 9-11 that made me gay. That is possibly the most deranged thing you've ever suggested. Don't worry, Wit. I bet for both teams. He's done the walk of shame coming out of Wit's end. I was just riding my bike and my hymen broke. Does that mean that I'm a styrofoam cup? Rodney sounds the way he does because that's a symptom of pubic lice. She is sploosh city immediately. Suck my fat cock, pigeon! spilled tea all over my desk <laughs> oh no it was that good it you spilled it was that your drink good. yeah okay well i was trying to pour tea into my cup because i'm having a tea party in my little teapot but i overfilled the oh. teapot so it was coming out the top as oh. well as the spout anyway uh welcome to our podcast our podcast about two wits sharing a singular cup that mm-hmm. we might spill I have a saucer with this one cup, and it, the saucer caught none of it, so that's great. Saucer, I hardly so know her. Hey, hey, that reminds me, talking about cups and two wits, that's the name of our podcast. Well, it not is. cups and two wits, it's uh, two wits, one cup. Mm-hmm. And who are you? I'm Percy. Uh, he, she, they. Nice. Yeah. Good for the whole smorgasbord today. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a... I'm a Oh, improv idea, improv idea. What's funny? I'm a, I am a, I am a veggie tray of genders today. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> I like that. I want to nibble yeah. on your carrots, maybe get a little mm. bit of a ranch in there. Ooh, delicious. Ooh. Tell me, Nibbler, who are you? Ooh, I am the one who nibbles. It's me, Pigeon. Uh, Please use they, them for me. I am Parsnip. I didn't need you to to uh, join me in. I'm just ready to to uh, Kool Aid man my way into the conversation, and I'm a she/her. Nice. That's yeah, awesome. We, we're really into fems and thems in this podcast. Yeah. Also, quick update: I am using the sweat towel I used yesterday for my yoga class to clean up my uh, tea. So we should be good. But it just might my desk might be a little stinky now. Come a long way since our childhood. Have we? Well, I don't know. It just seems like something your mom would be really against. Mm. No, my mom, uh, she bought some Christian yoga DVDs a few years ago uh, and immediately injured herself like pretty badly. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, no. I know. I felt, yeah, it just, it was like a knee thing. I I felt really badly because like she was excited about it and like, you know, you know doing new exercise things we like to see our parents taking care of themselves and we do um and then, um, yeah, speaking of parents i've got an update on emma my mom oh yeah she right now is at a film festival and texted me about a palestinian film that we need to watch wow i know that's awesome it's so cool that is I'm, awesome i'm so proud of her i'm just blown away my mom is the coolest person ever <laughs> that's true i, I feel like it's important to say it's important for me to say that like at times we are gonna throw our parents under the bus a little bit on this show but Mm -hmm. i do think that like my parents pretty cool um right raising a kid sounds terrifying raising a kid in the 90s in your 20s and early 30s sounds even more terrifying they were doing their best based upon what they were taught and we love our parents 
Yeah. I think that's the really cool thing about growing up and having nuance is that you Mm -hmm. can be upset about the way you were treated as a child and you can agree that you probably deserved better sometimes, but also understanding our parents are just the as human as we are and Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could raise a kid better than they raised me. So Mm -hmm. what criticism do I have? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, let's jump into our podcast, uh, uh, not theme, podcast (laughs) subject. Subject for today? Uh, So today we are going to be talking about uh, Adventures in Odyssey episode 463, Green Eyes and Yellow Tulips, original air date of February 24th, 2001. Countdown to 9-11. Gosh, man, 9-11, that's, wow. That I can't back wait memories. to hear how different the podcasts are going to be after 9-11, if it's going to be affected at all. Uh, the the podcasts are podcasts or their episodes? Well, our, to be clear, Purse, all of our podcast episodes have happened post 9-11. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, I'm excited for when Adventures in Odyssey gets post 9-11. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too much sass? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, just too much new knowledge. Uh, Forgot, I forgot that the timeline continuum. I see. I thought you remember that Ted Decker series where it's a circle. So the fourth book starts at the beginning of the first oh, book. Yes, I, I thought absolutely we were. Do. I thought we were in that timeline. I just got all confused. I forgot that that is the ravings of a Christian madman. Yeah. If any of you recognize the ta- the name Ted Decker, uh, I understand why you found this podcast. <laughs> also, please, please, please. We're not even sponsored by BetterHelp, but please seek use, better help. Use better help. <laughs> if the name Ted Decker brings up something to you, you may be entitled to spiritual compensation. Yeah, plus all of those years of missing out of saying Decker, I hardly know her, which does yeah. come up in this episode. Have yeah, we'll bring that back. We we'll have different. Yeah. Look, we're doing this on Sunday mornings instead of church. Yeah, I, and I'm used to being at church where all I have to do is sit there and be quiet and move my lips a little bit to the song move my lips enough for my dad to think i'm singing but not for my <laughs> friends to think i'm a nerd who sings at church but, you know wait purse didn't you preach at some point yes i did that too yeah i just wanted to bring that up it, 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 it's the same tactics that he was doing it made it really hard to hear the sermon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I don't know how to transition that into the episode, but I'm going to try. It's... Well, can I read the official description? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We forgot that in our last episode, and I think it's always fun to read the official description. Yeah. This is what Adventures in Odyssey, Focus on the Family, gives us to really lure us into this episode. Connie Hit falls me. for a Novacom employee named Robert Mitchell. Bart Roth- Rathbone protests that Novacom's programming is immoral. That's it? Nothing that's else it. happens in the episode. That's all they can tell us. <laughs> and I think that's just to be, be a quick bite to be like, ooh, I want to listen to that episode. But nothing about that sounds like something I want to listen to. Yeah. And also, like, you miss the major drama of the episode, which is, like, somebody goes to the hospital. Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. I do. Every, every episode, I like to look at how people have reviewed it. And it's really fun because with these episodes, uh, they are some of the first reviews that are being put up on the Internet and so I, you know, I haven't read very many of them, but every once in a while I find a really great, uh, just turn of phrase, just really good um, artistry with the English language. And the Odyssey <laughs> Scoop provided this from their review on this episode. There has already been a riot broken out. It doesn't seem realistic. 
It could be realistic, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> I think this episode has a lot to say about protests and riots and how in Adventures in Odyssey Land, there's very little difference between the two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and we have to remember that this is pre- uh, like all the anti-war protests for Iraq and stuff. Again, as we have established, 9-11 hadn't happened yet. So the idea of protest is very different. And I think they're pulling on a lot of those uh, Vietnam anti-war protests. Yeah. What's really nice, though, is that uh, so when this episode first came out, they didn't have any audio. Like they, the audio for the riot was just like two guys going, hey, no. But then they were able to remaster it after January 6th and just put that audio right in there. <laughs> and I think it makes it for a much better listening experience. Yeah, you yeah. can hear the shouting. You can hear the, the glass breaking. Anyway, I was anyway. wondering why Pelosi came up in the episode, but I just didn't connect the two. It was really weird. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's it's cool that like AI has come a long way because the actor who plays Bart Rathbone has been dead for a long time. But uh, they were still able to find uh, an AI way to get him saying, hang Mike Pence, hang yeah. Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah, didn't you see that um, Prince performance at the Super Bowl halftime show? It's like that, but for January mm-hmm. 6th. <laughs> <laughs> right, and not Odyssey characters. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my goodness, do you think we're going to get a Hatsune Miku uh, Adventures in Odyssey pair up? <laughs> oh my god. I think that all young adolescents from the late 90s, early 2000s would implode internally if Connie and Hatsune Miku were in the same uh, vicinity. The amount of cuteness would cause me to explode. Yeah. Uh, Connie does come up a lot in this up. Yeah. And I have a new theory to espouse about Connie, but let's get into the episode Ooh. so we can do that. Yeah. But, okay. What? What's that? There's a, there's a commotion in front of Wit's End. What? First, I have a question because the uh-huh. very first thing that happens in this episode is Wit is working on an espresso machine. Wait, before machine. we do that, we didn't what? get a theme song for this episode. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did notice that too. That That's is interesting. interesting. Is it just because like they just had so much good content for this episode? It's like we we don't have time for this fifty six second theme song. We have we've just got too much great Adventures in Odyssey content to feature. I wondered that, but then it felt like the first six minutes had content, and then the last two minutes had content, and mm-hmm. I don't know what happened in the middle at all. It's a lot of, I'm going to say, sexual tension between several characters in this episode. And I, I don't explain. like I'll... the use of sexual tension, though, because only two of these three people are adults. What? Connie's an adult? Mitch is an adult? Yeah, but Rodney is not. Oh, I'm not talking about Rodney. Yeah, but he is, like, part of the love interest story of the episode. Oh, see, I feel like the love interest story, it's its its understated, but I think it expands to everyone. I also think Rodney might be 27 years old. And so, <laughs> I like that canon better, actually. That makes me yeah. feel a lot better. Right. So um, there's no intro song. And mm-hmm. then it goes straight into wit fixing an espresso machine. And I just think it's important to ask ourselves the question, why does a children's ice cream shop have an espresso machine? I guess to that. Well, I don't I don't want to come in and like explain like a logical reason, but it does seem like adults maybe might want to come in and, uh, you know, with their kids and get an espresso. 
I guess it just seems like an odd thing for Wit to have. Like, they they couldn't have written in, like, oh, I'm trying to work on the, I don't know, soda gun. No, the problem is, is that the adults need to be as hyped up as the children. Uh, ah. Because if you are giving them ice cream, eventually the energy gap is going to be too far and then you're going to be like ugh, i don't want to sit around and talk to these kids about god they're too hyper now if they're all hopped up on ice cream and they're all hopped and the adults are hopped up on espresso then it's a match made in heaven yeah that's a uh, good point Wit is, is the kind point. of person who like he runs a small business and knows everything in town and is just everywhere investigating everything um uh, and also is int- intimately involved in everyone's business and guiding guiding their spiritual journey. So he has to be doing coke, right? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. But I also think um, the Christians in this time were also grappling with the, the very difficult question of, is it church if it doesn't have free coffee? That's another thing, too. Witson's just trying to be relevant. Yeah. Okay, so they talk about the broken coffee or espresso machine. Then Connie says, didn't you see the giant crowd out front? <laughs> yeah, a, a, a crowd of adults with cameras. How yeah. long have you been tinkering with this espresso machine, my man? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Connie's sweater comes up for the first time in the episode. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, she's like, I thought you were giving a press conference. But if I had known that, I would have never worn this sweater. Yeah, and wait, it's a goes... yellow sweater that makes me look like an overgrown Twinkie. Yep. That is horrible. Horrible thing for her to say. And also, clearly, like, we need to make sure that everybody listening to this knows that our character is white. Anyway, uh, so the sweater is an independent character of Yep. (laughs) It is. It's like like the electric pencil sharpener, but way less sexual. Well, yeah. No, it is less sexual, but Mitch seems into it, so. Oh, for sure. I do, I do appreciate Connie because we do love a messy queen. Obviously, she could have some better self-esteem, but really, it was mostly her. Her ire is mostly directed at the uh, the sweater itself, not herself. And I just think that I don't know. I just, I just love the messiness of Connie. I think it's yeah. really fun. It's giving manic pixie dream girl. It's giving girl next door. It's giving I'm so quirky and unique, not like other girls, which was really big for this era. Mm-hmm. It absolutely was. Quintessential yeah. girl next door. Yeah. Yeah. So they go out to talk to the crowd. And as soon as he opens the door, I think the entire White House press corps starts screaming <laughs> questions at him. What? Yeah. Wait, what do you have to say about this? Wait, 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 wait. We need your opinion. We need your opinion quick. <laughs> okay. Can, I, I, I need to go on a little bit of a, a, a screed here. Yep. Um, so... And I did some research for this. In 1990 or thereabouts, Adventures in Odyssey established that Odyssey was a town of 34,000 people. If we adjust for the average population growth of small Midwestern cities in the United States, Odyssey in 2001 probably had a population of about 40,000, which is a good bit smaller than the town where I have experience running a newspaper. Right. In real life, any truly newsy event is going to have a newspaper reporter, a radio reporter, and maybe a TV reporter from the largest metro an hour away. Mm-hmm. What we're going to find out, though, is that the reporters are not here for a truly newsy event or even a slightly newsy event. This is not <laughs> something I would ever send a reporter to cover. And at the most, on like a really slow day, I might have a reporter give a call over to Wits End. But mm-hmm. Adventures in Odyssey treats this like it's Watergate. And also just to preface with when the WE was unveiled, no press. No, 
None but at all. this gets all the press. What has happened is Novacom has aired the destination station, and Ugh. all of these reporters are really into copyright issues. Right, because it's a it's about a machine that goes back in time to various historical events. And as we know, John Avery Whitaker is the only person in human history to ever conceive of such a concept. And it does right. make me wonder if the Adventures in Odyssey uh, writers, legal team, ever like tried to sue PBS Kids for making Wishbone and Dragon Tales. Or if they ever watched, I don't know, Doctor Who. That was definitely airing way before Adventures in Odyssey ever did. Yeah. And I guess, you know... This this episode was way, or Adventures in Odyssey started way after this movie came out, but I would love there to have been a scene at wit's end where um, the uh, reporters show up and they're like, the new Star Trek Four movie came out and they uh, used the, 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 the force of the sun to hurdle themselves back in time to 1984. <laughs> Do you think you can sue them for that? <laughs> and when they went back to 1984, they tried to fuck their mom. Any thoughts? <laughs> Anybody see it Back to the Future? Just to be clear, this was not a thought from my brain. This was a thought from a movie. And and not Star Trek IV, The, the Voyage Home, thank yeah, you. Yeah, also not that. Just no, to show, like... there's so many movies and stories of people going into smallish containers and then going back in time. I think it's really weird that a bunch of adult reporters are coming the following morning to talk to an adult about a children's TV show that aired the night before. Mm-hmm. Yep. What? Why are you not talking to a kid? <laughs> well, actually, Pidge, the uh, reporters are going to uh, give Wit some clues and say that there are many similarities between the Destination Station and the Imagination Station. But the only difference is that their show has a lot of violence. As if the very first Imagination Station episode isn't about the crucifixion of Jesus. I was also thinking, you remember that episode that they went back to, um, I don't even remember what battle it is, but the children were like hiding underneath an overturned chariot to mm-hmm. avoid the carnage. Um, Hello? I was talking right. to Pidge this morning about how people talk about the like horrors of World War One and how like that was so traumatizing and stuff. That was so much closer to the modern medicine that we have today. Imagine what an Old Testament war would have been mm-hmm. like to watch. And Wit is just sending kids back there to witness it. No problem. To witness it as if they are there. It's virtual reality that they are experiencing. It's right. Like a TV show is several, several degrees of separation removed from the imagination stage. Yeah, he's like, I, I want to send kids back in time to slaughter all of the Amalekites. You are showing them a, a video of a dinosaur e- eating something. These are equal violence that <laughs> They're kids not need equal. To the subject. dinosaur is worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's worse than, than what I'm showing kids. <laughs> so then after all of the violence talk, then the reporter very astutely asks Wit, are you going to sue? Yeah, but Wit, Wit, he's not willing to comment on a show he hasn't seen. But he is more than happy to just publicly trash talk Novacom as a company. Yeah. Uh, he, he calls its programming mindless and often downright offensive because of uh, violence, objectionable language, and inappropriate situations in the children's shows. About he, what? Nutrition? Right. And he says, I shudder to mention what they're producing for adults. 
So I've got to know either A, what the hell are these adult shows? Or B, what are Witt's standards for an adult television show? Because he definitely makes it sound as if Novacom is, is making HBO shows look like they're Caillou. Right. And despite the fact that he says, I can't comment on something I haven't seen, the scene ends with the music swelling to cut off his rant. Yes, right. <laughs> they, they, uh, the Avengers and Odyssey writers weren't really willing to actually piece together a diatribe uh, about unseemly television programs, so they just end the scene. Right. Because it's really odd that Wit is like, I haven't seen this. I think it's bad. But this other thing that I also haven't seen, that is <laughs> definitely worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't think people should watch these shows. So either he's making assumptions uh, or he's watching the shows but thinks it's okay because he's John Avery Whitaker. But also isn't like part of his whole thing that he only reads books and doesn't right. watch TV. He, I don't think he owns a TV. <laughs> I think that's a big thing about Wit that like is we're supposed to be like wow what a saint i love how much they admire somebody that has very little access to the outside world Mm -hmm. and still proclaims to be the like leader of morality for all of these people yep have Uh, you ever heard of a cult (laughs) (laughs) uh before we go away from here there's there's just I, I just can't get away from the uh, quote unquote journalism going on in this scene. Mm-hmm. There is an absurd number of photographers taking an absurd number of pictures in this scene. Mm-hmm. None the, the scene would never make for a good f- newspaper photo op, and you certainly don't need multiple photos. So I think we can only assume that Connie is standing behind Wit, giving him bunny ears. Right, in her little yellow Twinkie sweater. Yeah, that must be what they're taking pictures of. Like, ooh, gross. Horrible sweater spotted this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh, we man. lost pitch again. I wonder what's going on. Yeah, is this spiritual warfare? It's it definitely is spiritual warfare. We've had so many um, technical issues. It's definitely because Satan doesn't want us to record this. Right. Pidgey there? Pigeon's Pidge. dead. Call bird rescue. <laughs> Call a pelican. That's a pelican is equivalent to a bird ambulance in my brain. Is it? Yeah, because they can scoop them up. Oh yeah, I think they do that with fish though. Yeah, but they could do it with injured pigeons. I suppose so. Yeah, pigeon, are you there? I am. I keep getting dropped from the call, and I don't know why. But uh, by like everything's still recording. We're still good. Okay. All right, so I think we can just move on to the next scene now. Yes. There's a jazzy intro to this scene, and I'm really excited about it. I feel like this is the most exciting music tra- or transition music that they've had so far in the episodes we've listened to. I just made a you know, note about that. I didn't pay enough attention to that, but I'm glad that that uh, you are, because yeah. that is, those, we have to appreciate everything that Adventures in Odyssey has to, has to offer. They're swinging this episode. Yeah, and if I remember right, the soundtracks to these Novacom episodes get pretty scary. They do. I remember mm-hmm. that. I yeah. can't wait to just want to shrivel up and die inside when I'm listening to these sounds. <laughs> I was thinking for all of, um, and like, focus on the family's faults, the audio production, like, I'm actually kind of impressed. 
like, yeah. it's pretty good. <laughs> they might be concerned. morally bankrupt, but their pockets are full. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because, I they, mean, they have, like, real actors <laughs> who are very talented. Yeah, who and... grew up to be really hot gay men. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely know how to set a scene uh, in a way that lets you see it without seeing it. <laughs> yeah. So the next scene starts with Connie lifting up a box of syrup and her yelling at Eugene to come help her, which Eugene has not made a single appearance uh, nope, this entire series. Um, and so she's yelling, I'm going to get a double hernia from lifting <laughs> these boxes. And yep. then Mitch appears. Right. Because, well, the, someone calls out, hello, and she thinks it's Eugene. Mm-hmm. But it is it is Mitch, our bisexual king. At I least that's so. the vibe I got. I really hope so. Mitch appears, and he says, do you need help with that box? We definitely, with Adventures in Odyssey, we need to rewrite as much as we need to to make ourselves feel better about this. Mm-hmm. And so as part of that... I realized that uh, Connie is a, and some people might not like this term, but Connie is a complete fag hag. (laughs) In fact, I would call her a professional fag hag since her two bosses are John Avery Whitaker and Tom Riley. Yep. Oh. (laughs) She does have a type. She does. She feels comfortable with the gays. So then it makes sense that she immediately falls in love with this obviously bisexual man just right away. She is Sploosh City immediately. She yes. is. And it also is kind of the predicament we all found ourselves in growing up is like, why are all of my friends gay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you realize like, oh, duh. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Same thing's happening to Connie. Um, yeah. In, in my head, Mitch walks into, I'm a hot girl. I do hot shit. Spend his income on my outfit. You know the Maggie the Stallion song. That's yeah. that's what I imagine that he, he would have been into. sharply dressed too. He would have, yeah. yeah. And it was a uh, the prime whale tail time for a low cut jean. <laughs> Just saying. You... Yeah. Do you know so, what yeah, a whale he... tail is? Yes. Oh, okay. Just checking. You didn't know my last lesbian joke, and so like I don't know. Gay men wear thongs too. Well, yeah, I know that. I was just making sure you know. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we were all included here. Thank you. That actually is nice. Oh, you're welcome. So yeah, Mitch offers to help, and Connie gives him a box. And he's like, "Oh, this is heavy. What's in it?" Green eyes. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, syrup for ice cream. Uh, it's so good. I just like it, it made me stop and just really imagine what must Mitch's eyes be like and I gotta say I imagined some gorgeous bisexual eyes what if his face is just eyes <laughs> he's a biblically <laughs> accurate angel yeah <laughs> <laughs> or um what's that character that's holding its own eyeballs what oh like one of the ah uh, monsters yeah things it's like on Cartoon Network or something I have no idea. I thought okay. I thought you were talking about uh, like the baby doll in Sid's bedroom in <laughs> <laughs> on the mechanical spider legs. Yeah, <laughs> I like Which the I idea it's... that Connie is like really into atypical men, mm-hmm. and this is like right. her, her standard of atypical men. She's the um, woman or like the Barbie legs with the um, 
<laughs> the little oh, like hook the fishing lure. Yeah, the, with the fishing lure at the end of it, and he's the like torn apart like GI Joe. <laughs> They're perfect for each other. Yeah, perfectly imperfect. It, perfectly imperfect is a great way to bring up that. Uh, Mitch says that Connie got some ice cream on the bottom of her sweater, and yeah. she starts apologizing for it. This time, she compares it to being like a banana. And she says that her aunt Edna wore it in the 18- when she was in college in the 1800s. Which can we say that is so messed up that your aunt Edna wore this sweater, kept it, sent it to you. This is in a family passed down thing, and you're just like, oh yeah, I just got some ice cream on it, and you've been complaining about the sweater all day. Yeah, but what what is fun about how time works in Adventures Honesty is that that sweater could be from the 1800s. Or it could just be hyperbole, and we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I want to give a shout out to Aunt Edna for going to college in the 1800s. How very progressive. And, yeah. And wearing something as whorish as a sweater in the 1800s. I know. Wow. What a feminist icon. Yeah. We love Aunt Edna. She's really skyrocketed to the top of the list. She really has. She's the yeah. she's who we should maybe pray for or pray to at the end. Oh, because she, she had to we'll, be a lesbian. Yeah. We'll see how this envelops. Yeah. Um. So uh, Mitch likes the sweater, even though Connie does. hates it. And Connie He's, is smitten. She is. She is a total mess as she leads him to the kitchen. Which, can we also point out, she does not know if this guy is single. No. She doesn't but, know anything about him. But uh, d- does that... You can look and not touch. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm just saying, she's just getting way ahead of herself for somebody that knows absolutely nothing about this guy. But he's so dreamy. Look at his green eyes. Yeah. Uh. It just feels like a really shitty caricature of women. But that's why you have to just be, like, she's just into him because, not just into him, she has tried with straight men, and the moment she meets someone that's a little bit not straight, it is so refreshing. That like <laughs> just immediately, Cupid must have hit me with the arrow. Exactly. That's yes. also is... our trajectory to getting as gay as we are. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, Mitch, Mitch tells Connie his name mm-hmm. and asks hers, and she goes, Mitch. Uh, I mean, Connie. <laughs> um, he also <laughs> describes himself as the Robin Hood of box moving. He's mm-hmm. a funny guy. He's a little funny. He is, funny but she, guy. she just believes him. Uh, yeah. Goes, wow, really? And this is the power of being uh, tokenized as a queer individual, because no straight person is this enthralling when you first meet them. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have some playful banter to start off with. Like, no way. Like, he's immediately likable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's why he cannot he cannot be straight. And I'm also very I know people have issues with the like gay best friend trope and stuff. I'm super pro gay best friend because it works out really well for me. Yeah. <laughs> you are the gay best friend. Yes. And I am dating the like quintessential gay best friend who has tons of friends. Not a single one of them is a man. Wow. Good for him. I know. Yeah. I hope they're not all straight though. <sighs> I don't know. I haven't met them all yet, but they're yeah. all fairly straight. Well, that's, that's sort okay. of what Connie is getting around to. She's like, okay, why are you here? Yeah. Right. Um, and he says that he wants to talk to Wit, and then Wit appears. Right. Like magic. Yeah. Bisexual magic. And then we learn a little bit more about Mitch. For example, his yeah. name is not Mitch. It's Robert Mitchell. 
Right. And Wit is like, oh, I also use the first syllable of my last name as a first name. Yeah. And then and then he goes, oh, you know, I haven't seen you on Grinder before. I'd recognize that tight girlish figure anywhere. You must be new in town. <laughs> Says, I am. I work for Novacom. I moved from yep. Maine. <laughs> yep. And Connie's world crashes. Yeah. <laughs> he says he works for Novacom. This beautiful, she, like, dreamy man. Oh. Yeah, she, she yeah. just she changes into sackcloth and ashes and starts ripping her hair out and screaming <laughs> into the void because Mitch works for Novacom. She'll never find love again. Never. And he's not doesn't just work for Novacom. He specifically is a community relations rep. Yes. Yeah, and Wit Wo- swoops in to be like, no, no, son, I hate Novacom. And Mitch is like, yeah, I know. I've read all of your articles in the newspaper and heard you on the radio. Which, like, does the Odyssey Times just let Wit freelance for them? Oh, you, uh, I, you know he has a standing opinion column. I yeah. guess so. How else are they supposed yeah. to determine what's right and wrong if Wit doesn't tell them? Right. It's so, ugh. So essentially he said Novacom has heard you're complaining and i'm here to talk with you right mm-hmm. to help because we both quote we both have the same goal of making odyssey a better place and then wit oh, comes back do we? with i, I couldn't tell Nova by Novacom's programming yeah, yeah. it's ugh, oh my god and yeah mitch defends it he's like well we lean toward action adventure and mitt goes violence yeah mean. also um hello the name of the show is adventures in odyssey but action adventure is always violent mm-hmm. it sure well, that's why is they didn't call it action adventures in odyssey <laughs> ah, that's a really good point <laughs> yeah the original title of the show was in action in odyssey wit <laughs> <laughs> uh, keeps uh busting mitch's balls about Novacom's programming and Mitch she takes it like a champ he does um, he like asks asks Wit to review a, a tape of a Novacom show mm-hmm. and Wit goes you may not like what I've got to say she's like that's fine and can, yeah and can I just point out that Wit is making assumptions right we're supposed to believe this is fine but later in the episode or in Chris's wrap-up we're going to get uh, the lesson that uh, this episode we're supposed to learn not to make assumptions but it's okay for Wit <laughs> and Connie and at this point, Wit still hasn't seen any show, correct? So how I don't know. is he, he going have... on all of these diatribes and rants on the radio and in the paper and all this sort of enough that the company is like, we need to send somebody to go talk to this guy. Here's the but thing. he hasn't watched a single show. Here's the thing, though. People on the right always do this sort of, uh, not always, I guess, but a lot of people on the right do this thing that they like to obscure exactly how much they have interacted with the content in order to come to a conclusion. Wit is just mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing of, we just need to assume that he's done his research. We just need to assume that he understands what he's talking about because otherwise <laughs> the entire show falls apart. And also, but he also believes that like people shouldn't be watching this. Right. But so either he hasn't watched it and he's speaking out of his ass or he has watched it and he is speaking out of his ass. At least yeah. that Christian review website from the early 2000s that would watch all of the, the secular movies and give the ratings and be like, ooh, this is okay for Christians to watch, but this is not. Like, he, at least they watched the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. They at least yeah. knew what was in them. Wit is just like, oh, it's violence and bad language. 
right. clearly no one should ever interact with anything that has violence and bad language. And once again, I, we come to the crux of the issue. Is Adventures in Odyssey pro-education, pro-making a, uh, a true decision, an informed decision about content that we take in? Or is it about demonizing content that's not from a Christian exclusive source? It's unclear. It's unclear. I, I do. I'm glad you brought up plugged in Pidge. I don't. That that might have been from Focus on the Family. I don't remember, but uh, I just remember I, needing to resort to that in like late grade school of like, oh, there's this movie coming out. I want to go watch it with my friends in theaters, and we had to like consult this website to see if it was okay, or like um they had reviews on like albums that would come out mm -hmm. and sometimes they would be like this isn't explicitly christian but like there's enough subtext that it could definitely be read as christian <laughs> see what i thought you were going to say is that you had to re you had to do what i had to do which was resort to it uh the like sex and nudity section of each movie review in lieu of porn <laughs> mm. Some, but again, they put some juicy content in there because they actually they watched it. They knew what right. it was that they, they were critiquing. You two are a treasure trove of finding hidden porn and Christian resources. <laughs> but that desperation is the mother of invention. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I don't know if we've talked about on the show every young man's battle. Oh, no, we have. We have. Have we? Yep. 100% we have. Are you kidding? Person. I don't know if we talked about it on the show. As the person who edits the show, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show. Episode one, I'm 100% positive. We talked about All jacking right. it as a kid to reading about other kids jacking it in that book. <laughs> that is very purse-coded. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Well, and just like purse, Connie was just steaming up the window after that yeah, interaction. <laughs> I have a, I have a, this has nothing to do with the plot of the episode. Mm -hmm. This has to, has to do with the making of the episode. Okay, okay, wait. Is this the same note that I wrote down? Because Pigeon convinced me that I was crazy. What is it? Does the actor switch? Yes. <gasps> Suck my fat cock, Pigeon. I told you. Oh my God, you were right. I told you. I even wrote down the timestamp. At five minutes, 40 seconds into the episode, does the actor switch? It has been driving me nuts since I was a little kid. The second actor that they have is the original guy they got to play Mitch. And they decided he didn't have much chemistry with Katie Lee, who plays Connie. He was not So good. they brought in... No, he's not. He's so flat and boring. Yeah, and I and, noticed immediately that I was like, this guy is not hot. You can hear it. Right? Yes. Um, and that is a so straight, straight man talking. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they replaced him with this guy named Steve Burns because he was already in the studio to play another character in this episode. And Snip, you might already know, but Pidge, do you know who Mitch also plays? Well, the fact that I didn't even pick up on the voice change, I'm going to guess something wild, like uh, one of the Novacom reporters. Nope. A pitch, do you know? Or, God damn it. Snip, do you know? <laughs> I'm going to guess that it's the same actor that does something crazy like Rodney. It is. It is the same person <laughs> who plays Rodney. Wow. So yeah, I guess he was on one. I can tell a gay voice. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I guess he was like already in the studio to record Rodney's lines, and they thought him using his normal voice would uh, would be good. Uh, but then they just forgot to have Steve Burns record the last two lines of the scene and thought we wouldn't notice. Wow. I so definitely noticed as a the kid. Cake. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. Uh-huh. Wow. Is he hot? The actor? Um, He's probably daddy hot at this point. Yeah, but at the time. So I don't know. know. We'll have to look it up later. You know, okay. before we before we leave this scene, I want to go on the record and say, Snip, mm-hmm. you were right. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you. But it's to really be fair, fun, though, that you had the the, the controversy you made for a good reveal. That was that was great. Yes, I was really stressed out about it, and we had a whole conversation. I just this has been a weekend of me being right. I like it. This has been a good weekend for me. We should it's do like this my more third often. win of the weekend. So anyway, uh, Connie is swooning to the point that Wit says she's steaming up the window as she watches Mitch's fat ass leave Wit's end. Yeah, I also thought that was interesting that she watched him leave. Yeah. Is the heat coming from her mouth or her pants? It's up in the air. <laughs> Both. But also, good news um, for Mitch. She's up for pegging. Yeah. That's awesome. I, saw really, I really saw a funny meme this week that says, JPEG is French for... I peg. <laughs> it's like all of the hate listeners just furiously Googling. <laughs> That's not how they would say it. Just kidding. I wish we had a hate listener, though. That would be very exciting if we were to controversial enough to get somebody upset. To any people that are hate listening right now, um, just go get call pegged. Us. You'll feel better. Oh, yeah. Get pegged yeah. and then call us. And then write in to Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. yeah. You know when we record now during church. So if you want to call in. <laughs> Snip, I do I do think we're controversial enough to get people upset. I just don't think we're interesting enough to get people to listen. Yeah, that's true. Although people apparently, according to this episode, willing to protest over very little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great, great uh, lead into our next scene because Bart and Rodney Rathbone are walking into Wit's End. They've got a plan for Rodney to butter up Connie. But he says batter up. And I think uh-huh. it's really vital that we Wait. have the conversation. Oh, go ahead. Aren't you, are you going to do the I Hardly Know Her thing? Okay, batter up. I hardly know her. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I was just going to say that like one thing that I had to remind Pigeon about is that these characters are written very Jewish-coded. This is Mm -hmm. extremely anti-Semitic. The longer we listened, the more notes I have about the anti-Semitism. Because I wasn't initially reading that from these these characters. I wasn't sure about that. But you're right. As the episode dragged on, it seemed the the subtext was not as uh, covert as they might have liked and they harp heavily into these two characters being extremely stupid so like it's just offensive so we just need to say that out right here we are not anti-semitic we very much hate the way that these characters are coded and very much advocate for characters that have real value to them and aren't just caricatures against somebody else that you hate now to be fair uh, there's never bart has never like talked about his menorah or anything like that right but i just feel like there there's like this christmas episode where 
Bart is uh, using the like the First Amendment to shut down the nativity scene at, at City Hall, and mm-hmm. he's the bad guy for that. And then just his accent, and it just kind of suggests that that's what I take from it. That's just my theory. Yep. Um, well, and his but, uh, ownership of the Electric Palace. Yeah, he's also, he's a businessman, and he's always trying to like it's, cost. everything's like yeah with a ten dollar purchase you can get a free balloon with a ten dollar purchase right and uh, yeah yeah um, but he he tells uh, he tells Rodney that when he's talking to Connie he needs to charm her sweet talker you know like I do with your mom when I want to get out of mowing the lawn and I was I didn't know if that was a euphemism for trimming his pubes you know what Pigeon said the exact same thing okay see. I'm glad. I'm glad it was not just me. <laughs> We're picking me. up all the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then as soon as I wrote that in my notes, I had to deal with the crippling realization that Bart Rathbone has pubic hair. Mm-hmm. And also, just... not only does Bart Rathbone have pubic hair, but Bart Rathbone thinks it's appropriate to send his child and to flirt with an adult to distract. Yeah. They Their dynamic is worrisome. They're, they're not the parenting example you want to follow. Right. According to Focus on the Family. Which is weird because he's the only parent going with his kid to wit's end. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. He's got an ulterior motive. Though. Maybe he's the reason wit has an espresso machine. For Bart Rathbone, I think wit would do anything to keep Bart Rathbone out of there. Yeah. So uh, the relationship is very clearly laid out as they enter wit's end. And Bart Rathbone, Bart Rathbone goes, beautiful day. And Connie yeah. goes, used to be. Oh, God. Yeah, they're awful to them. Yeah, they're really mean. The shade is immediate. Yeah. Right. Bart goes up to talk to Wit in his office. To give Connie and Rodney the chance to be alone. Ew. Yes. And Rodney compliments Connie's sweater, which he says reminds him of Post-it notes. And here's what I want to say. Post-it notes, bananas, and Twinkies are all very different shades of yellow. That is true. That's a fact. (laughs) So... Uh, a man wrote this a straight exactly. man wrote this <laughs> they're like what's yellow a banana uh you know i got a post-it note on my desk that's yellow uh not even gonna go with like a school bus nope. yeah well if it's not fat phobic one of them has to be fat phobic twinkie mm. uh then the banana's phallic and then uh the post-it note is just to remind Connie how boring she is as a woman. Yeah. Twinkie can also be kind of phallic. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Roddy, uh, well, Connie was like, why does why do you, does your dad want to talk to Wit? And Roddy goes, deep down inside, I think Wit likes my dad. And uh, Connie just goes, hmm. Just horrible. I do think yeah. I, I just, I do think it's a, it's possible that wit deep down inside likes bart a little bit and this is this is my theory bart is played by the same actor who plays wit's boyfriend tom riley oh what so it, yes you didn't know that no yes they're the same person oh my god this guy ruled my childhood yeah yeah so both rodney and bart are played by other christian characters in the show oh my god uh, so back back to my theory. Because mm-hmm. Bart is played by the same actor as Wit's boyfriend, Tom Riley, it seems possible, if not likely, that in a drunken stupor, Wit got confused and touched tips with Bart. <laughs> that's my that's my theory. And Bart has never moved on. Never. As we can tell by the next scene starting with Wit going, No, Bart. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured for sure 
Bart had asked Wit if they could try the whole touching tips thing again. <laughs> he would have been more into that than what Bart was actually suggesting, which was a protest against Novacom. Yeah. Yeah, Wit's just not interested. And Bart goes, yeah, you are blasting those Novacomies on the radio. Yeah. Um, he says Novacomies are ruining our city. Yeah. Which, as right, an which... open communist myself, I uh, don't like that. <laughs> or do I? Mm. Uh, do you? I don't think you want folks on the family to start espousing left-wing beliefs because they would still be wrong, right? Yeah, 100%. Being, but it, I think it, was... it would be funny to hear Adventures and Odyssey's take on what communism is. Mm. Well, and we already had the Nazis versus the communists. Now we can have the neo-Nazis versus the Nova commies. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because Nova means new. And oh, so my neo. God. It's Greek and Latin roots. <gasps> one's neo, one's Greek, one's Latin. Oh, my God. We are forming all sorts of connections. But Bart is immediately just like, you clearly hate this enough to yeah. come protest with me. Um, yeah, and yeah, Bart brings up great points. Like, why wouldn't Wit want to protest Novacom? Aside yeah. from the fact that he doesn't want to be involved with Bart, which, considering Bart's history in the town, may be okay. Yeah. Well, and Wit has already done a lot of intellectual protesting, right? Aforementioned mm -hmm. paper, like articles in the newspaper, radio interviews. Like, he has not been silent about right. Novacom. So why is he like, no, I, I, I wouldn't dare protest. Um, maybe because protesting with other people requires him to listen to what other people think. Right. I think it's because he doesn't get to be in charge. It's yeah. because it's Bart's thing. And even though Bart offers to sponsor this protest with the Electric Palace, which is actually putting his business on the line, businesses don't sponsor protests for this exact reason. Well, mm -hmm. like he said, we'll provide you with like, the microphones and speakers it's like i will put in the legwork to plan it to bring all of the equipment all you have to do is just show up and say novacom bad and honestly i feel that bart has a better claim on why novacom is threatening his family-owned business than wit does mm -hmm. because novacom is also selling computers donating computers mm -hmm. the electric palace obviously because of stereotypes that we've mentioned before has not donated electronic equipment and right. um you could see why he would be personally threatened by that especially seeing as everybody in the town fucking hates him right yeah and, and here's the the thing that's crazy is that later in the episode wit says i might join a, a well okay later in the episode after after bart's protest wit goes i might join a protest against Novacom. so but not this it, one right exactly because he doesn't get to be in charge <laughs> yeah which is stupid because and he could have been if he actually like entertained it and talked to bart about what their reasons are then maybe they could have realized why the two of them protesting together wasn't going to be a good fit mm -hmm. but they didn't instead he just totally disregarded what bart had to say totally invalidated his experience even though it's a closer experience than what Wit has been going through and bitching about for how many episodes now? Right. And also, like, if Wit was concerned about it becoming a riot, he could have worked with Bart to... Make it secure. Let's... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To encourage like... peaceful protest, which he mm -hmm. should have been doing. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, and this is where I think being recorded in 
the time that it was the um effectiveness the the efficacy of protests mm-hmm. i think was a was almost ancient history at that point right with vietnam Christ, like reaching its peak in the early 70s this is 30 years later the yeah. idea of a protest as something effective as something to change minds they're like no 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 no, no. we're over this mm-hmm. i don't have to resort to that and i'm mm-hmm. sure focus on the family was very against anti-war protests in right. the 70s like that was i i think that was a got to remember my evangelical history but like the 70s were a a big um, kind of rallying point for the moral majority mm-hmm. movement. <laughs> well, and it was like, I honestly have just been reading about this. The 70s was a weird time because women had just um, entered the workforce fully. And so, but men had not been picking up any domestic responsibilities. So that was kind of the low point of um, child supervision and connection to parents. And so that's why the overreaction to protecting the nuclear family happened. It's because men hadn't stepped up yet. Now, in the 2000s, when this came out, men had increased their domestic influence by three times the amount that they mm. had in the 70s. But um, like that's part of this whole conversation, though, is that they were like, look, look what happened when the nuclear family fell apart. No parents were spending time with their kids. But then it's now corrected because men have stopped being such patriarchal pieces of shit, totally uh, separate from their actual nuclear family and are actually participating with their children now. So that's that's a lot of the historical context of why they were so overreactive to the nuclear family. That is fascinating stuff. Look at us. We don't just make fart jokes. Yeah. And uh, just because I like citing sources, uh, I will look up the book that that came from. It came from a book called The Way We Never Were, American Family and the Nostalgia Trap by Stephanie Kuntz. Mm. Originally published in 1999 and uh, has been updated since. Yeah. That that sounds excellent. It's Um, really good. Very relevant for the episode. Yes. What I was stumblingly citing, which I probably should, now that we're doing this podcast, I should probably revisit. It was excellent. It's called The Evangelicals. I can't remember who it's by off the top of my head, but I can link it in the show notes. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so. We love education uh, against people who hate the First Amendment. (laughs) Right. Well, we have to say that Bart says he'll go ahead and he'll just do it himself yeah and he tells wit when this talk when this town goes down the drain don't go barking your dogs about it yeah i can't do a bart i can do a rodney i can't do a bart when this town goes down the drain don't go barking your dogs about it oh that wasn't very good Paige. you give it a you get a go i feel like the key word here the key words are barking and dogs dog oh when this town goes down the drain don't go barking to your dogs about it He's got like a, a squeaky voice, doesn't he? He's like, yeah, I don't know. Well, it goes from squeaky to like, oh, he gets kind of growly too. Ugh. I don't know. Don't go anyway. your dogs about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the listening to Rodney and Bart talk reminds me of uh, our favorite line from the Maltese Falcon, which is <laughs> what are a couple what a couple of birds like you doing sucking around here for. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, one of the greatest lines from a movie ever. The Maltese Falcon was from what the, but that's 40s? what it reminded me of. Was just like he's talking like, oh, don't go barking your dogs about it. Like, get off, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get in this century, please. So good. Yeah, um, I love the I love those statements. So it's like Bernard Walton has a lot of those too. Yeah, and they're just so fun. Yeah, 
with that if we ever have a merch line when this uh podcast inevitably blows up then we mm-hmm. should just have a shirt that says when this town goes down the drain don't go barking your dogs about it <laughs> that would be an excellent t-shirt yeah or on the back of a t-shirt it just says mitch's butt with an arrow down to your butt <laughs> <laughs> connie peg here <laughs> insert connie here yeah. <laughs> we just sell yellow sweaters in various shades the banana sweater the twinkie sweater <laughs> and the post-it note sweater well that brings up an interesting point maybe connie has just been changing her sweater throughout the morning trying to find a better one but she hates all of them yeah which you know connie big supporter of the show she really loves our yellow sweater merch and so did her aunt edna <laughs> yes does aunt edna's still going it still does so we go I bet, back. I bet Ed, Edna, Aunt Edna seems like someone who went to school in the 1800s specifically to study the Bronte sisters. Oh, I studied the Bronte sisters in, I know. in college. That's cute. I like that. They're very worth studying. Um, So the uh, show then goes back to Rodney and Connie at the ice cream counter where Rodney asks Connie out. Yeah. Um, And then... And she- Connie says, do you want me to list the reasons alphabetically or by significance for why she's saying no? And I think the only significant um, reason that she should say no is that this is a child. Yeah. And right. Like it's she's being cruel, but she is correct to say no. Right. Again, he could be 27. I don't really know. Um, If he is, if he is a legal adult, though, I'm pretty sure Rodney sounds the way he does because that's a symptom of pubic lice. (laughs) So I think the, it's the probably thing, wise that Connie says no. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I want to take from this, though, is we should all have the confidence of a straight, white, young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just shoot your shot. Shoot These your shot. fuckers are doing it all the time yeah. and failing spectacularly. Yeah. You cannot be any worse. I just go, maybe you and I should go out sometime. That was like, good. That's all he does. Thank you. Yeah. So then Bart comes stomping down from Wit's office and he says, time for plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so they leave, and the well, and, and he leaves saying it takes more than a Whitaker to get me up early in the morning, <laughs> which I, which I think once again points to at least one, if not more, previous sexual liaisons mm-hmm. between Wit and Bart. Yeah, get up early in the morning. Yeah, exactly. To mow the He's lawn. done the walk of shame coming out of Wit's end. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that Wit doesn't take people back to his house. He takes them back to Wit's end. Yeah, and they also like to um, use ice cream stains as an excuse. Oh, that's smart. It's already oh, happened Could with Connie. Imagine- Could you imagine a hookup date in the Imagination Station? Or in like an ice cream freezer? This sounds so cold, and I like to be completely naked. I worked at a grocery store in high school, so I feel like it's kind of hot. But cold at the same time. Yeah, but that's kind of extra steamy. Kind of nice. I don't know. I think I can't. I can't. I can't do sexy things if it's cold. (laughs) I'm such a baby. Um. So then the whole scene ends with Connie just going, "Oh, brother," because it's such (laughs) a burden on her to deal with people who are different from her. One of them was kind of harassing her. But. Yeah, but it's also a child. I mean, you worked with children, and I also worked with children with you. I don't. I cannot tell you how many times children uh, used, like, romantic lingo to talk about me, and then we had to have conversations of, like, I'm a grown-up. You can't talk about me like that. 
um go Mm -hmm. talk about go hang out with children (laughs) yeah like i think it's a common thing and a thing that connie definitely has had to deal with before and this is just a kid i mean i assume we are going with the canon that this is a kid are we sometimes let's keep a flexible canon yeah i think like (laughs) our canon curves to the left age fluid age fluidity it's fine uh yeah i mean let's not think about it too much so the next ep or the next scene uh mitch appears again and the soaring orchestral music immediately mm-hmm. it was i i did pay to the mu- attention to the music in this scene and it was whew, nice touch yeah it just they are willing this romance to happen yes really it's are. just like immediately he's he the little bell at wit's end goes off and then it's my heart will go on right away <laughs> connie is all giggly when he walks in and she goes she's doing wonderful <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> and then uh, Mitch is like, oh, I'm here to see Wit. Um, and Connie alleges that Wit is, uh, this is the morning that Wit goes jogging. Yeah. I thought that was weird, too, because he was, like, anti-exercise previous episodes. Right. Exactly. Climbing wall? What does that have to do with the Bible? Um, what does jogging have to do with the Bible, John Avery Whitaker? Yeah. You think Jesus worked out? Yeah. It's not like you're jogging in the imagination station, like, running up the hill with moses after smashing the ten commandments it's like right you're just running in the park oh suddenly your convictions uh don't matter when you do something hmm. right he's probably listening to a, a sermon podcast also oh how except old is it's he? 2001 a thou- he's a world war ii veteran so yeah. that means he was at the very least 18 in 1941 mm-hmm. so uh, so he's what 78 in 2001 but also this scene was really confusing because i couldn't tell if it was immediately after the rathbones left yeah. or if it was like a day had passed a week had passed yeah. like i was not clear at all because we go from I a scene know. in wit's end to a scene in wit's end and they don't clarify yeah. that it's been a day until they're partway through the conversation mm-hmm. it's confusing but Connie goes, can I help you with anything, Mitch? Like that pants tent, perchance? <laughs> and Mitch is like, I just want to talk to Wit about that video, uh, but I'll catch him later. And so, guys, there's actually a deleted scene from this episode. And I was <gasps> able to find it. And it's of Wit putting on the tape. Uh, but it's not a Novacom show. Okay, it's okay, actually- okay. Wait, 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 wait. I know exactly what you're going to say and do. Is this going to be a problem for Pigeon, who has never heard this? No. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure about I'm that? Positive. Okay. Wit puts on the tape, but it's not an Ovacom show. In the video, it's Mitch. He's wearing a teeny tiny little baseball uniform, and he says, Don't worry, Wit. I bet for both teams, as he bites his finger innocently and clutches his enormous bulge. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> You stressed me out so much. <laughs> no wonder they cut that scene from the episode. It's so provocative and it's a very so inappropriate situation. <laughs> and it's a little extraneous to the plot too. <laughs> Good for Mitch though, shooting his shot. Once again, yeah. confidence of straight white men, except for Thro- Mitch being bisexual, so havesies. Throwing his pitch, whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Havesies. Bisexual man is a havesies. <laughs> <laughs> My father was straight, but my mother was a lesbian. (laughs) 
actually true for a lot of people. They just don't know it. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Yeah. They um, very adorably talk at the same time and they say, so do you <laughs> go ahead. And they say mm-hmm. all of that at the same time because they are yep. adorable. So cute. And then they get to know each other a little bit. And Connie yeah. says, there's lots to do here. And here's the list of things that you can do in Odyssey. Number one, hiking. Never heard that in the show. Number two, swimming. I, uh, Timothy drowns, and I think that's maybe mm-hmm. the only swimming scene. Uh, and three, skydiving. Which are all activities that are exclusive to Odyssey. You yeah. can't do those anywhere else. Also, you work in a building with a time machine. Thank you. That's what I wrote. I said, she doesn't even mention the time machine that is literally upstairs from where they are standing. Right. She works in two places that are full of like recreation activity for people. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't mention yep. any of it. Nope. Nope. She just mentioned. Well, she's flustered. Yeah. I guess so. And I, I do love, I love knowing that swimming means for girls in an enormous uh, dark colored t-shirt. That's what swimming is. <laughs> Do you think the yellow sweater would be in an appropriate uh, over bathing suit? I do think attire? so. It Maybe might she's get planning to go swimming later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then here, and I'm just going to out some information about Pidgey and I. We do live in New England and Mitch is from Maine and we are very familiar with Maine. And here are the things to do in Maine that he describes. Number one, camping. This is true. Mm-hmm. Number two, horseback riding, which my experience in the Midwest leads me to believe horseback riding is a much bigger thing in the Midwest than New England, but go off. It's much a much more uh, rich person hobby in New England, and it's just a side effect of living with a ton of land in the Midwest. Right. I also think um, in Maine, you have all those Stephen King uh, monsters that eat horses, so... Oh, right. That that kind of leads to the endangerment of the horses, horse right. species in Maine. Mm-hmm. So, and then number three is computers. Yep, playing around on his computer. Yeah, I believe is what he says. <laughs> Those are the three things you can do in Maine. Yep, nothing else. Yeah, good to know. And then uh, he asks that and, that and uh, ranked choice voting. Hey, we do <laughs> love ranked choice voting. Uh, mm-hmm. That is an excellent, excellent thing. This podcast, the, with the two and the one in the title, that was really just a, a roundabout way <laughs> to talk about ranked voice, ranked choice voting. <laughs> right, correct. Because if uh, if we had a presidential race between a cup and two John Avery Whitakers, we would absolutely vote for the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Much like our cup overfloweth, any extra votes will overflow to other candidates. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, also, I was taught as a child that if I was sexually impure, then it would determine the level of cup that I was. And I really want to talk about this theory because I think maybe this missed the two of you or missed the audience. I think it's valuable. So either you can be a teacup. Like Purse is drinking out of right now. <laughs> yep. uh, and that means that you are a valuable person. Or <laughs> if you fuck up and fuck somebody, then you become a mug, a ceramic mug. And nobody has a favorite mug, according to uh, the like purity book that we were forced to read. And if a mug breaks, no big deal. You just throw it away. 
And then if you fuck up even more, you become a styrofoam cup. You become literal (laughs) trash that is not good for anybody. So I have some thoughts. Yep. Tell me about them. Okay. Number one, the teacup I'm drinking from, I got at TJ Maxx. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, I do have a favorite mug and it says number one grandma. My favorite mug says trophy husband. Oh my god, that's amazing. My favorite mug says football mom. Oh my god. (laughs) And number three, a like we hint at it with the, the title of this podcast a styrofoam cup was the most famous person in the united states of america for a solid three years okay <laughs> <laughs> but also um oh shit i forgot what i was gonna say never mind i take it back i was gonna say something important but now i've completely lost my train of thought but the book that this theory came from at least in my childhood was from a book called and the bride wore white so hmm yeah <laughs> great <laughs> yeah oh oh i remember what i was gonna say uh trigger alert uh for any of you who had unfortunate uh experiences forced on you but that is a really really terrible thing to tell somebody who has uh, experienced child sexual assault so that mm-hmm. definitely did not lead into my adult trauma that i was dealing with in therapy no not at all <laughs> it's all, like not not to dismiss anything mm-hmm. it's also just a terrible thing to tell any child regardless right. of their sexual experiences right completely well and, to, well and to come at it from an abstinence only purity sex education like you leave out a lot of the sex education <laughs> part of that you focus too much on that other shit and then it ends up people get hurt kids get hurt and kids think that they are less valuable right and complicated, no their own. complicated issues. Like, uh, I was just riding my bike and my hymen broke. Does that mean that I'm a styrofoam cup now? <laughs> Out of context, that's an incredible sentence. Thank you. Please be sure to put that into the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so after Mitch talks about how much he loves computers, Connie doesn't skip a beat. And she's like, yes, I'm into computers, too. Yeah, because uh, he loves that in a gal. Yeah, and then he asks her what kind, and she says, a Pendulum XL 1200 Turbo Plus. Yep. yep. <laughs> you don't and, know much about computers, do you, Connie? She could have just said Connie. Adele, and that would have been a great answer that he would have just accepted. Yep. Uh, Connie says, so well, she's learning about computers, and then Mitch goes... <laughs> Oh, speaking of learning, <laughs> which is just the terrible segue. I love you, Mitch, bisexual king, but that is about as sexy as him saying, oh, and speaking of binder clips, ex- <laughs> Except- actually, now that I think about it, binder clips are pretty fucking sexy. Yeah, binder's big in the queer scene, um, mm-hmm. but also binder clips and post-it notes, there's something there. Ooh, oh, yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. There is, I think there is like an erotic game where you like are supposed to you're supposed to get naked and you're supposed to put you like cover your parts with post-it notes and your partner has to take them off or something (gasps) is that what you do i've never done it before i could steal some office supplies this week and try it what if you do that but with those little um listerine (laughs) post-it notes that you could use (laughs) the like listerine breath strips yeah, yeah, those breath strips. Do it with that. 
up. That is possibly the most deranged thing you've ever suggested. <laughs> well, perhaps our next uh, character could be the champion of it. Tom comes in. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We've still got way more character development we've got to do here with Mitch. But I also think this is the moment that Pidge has really earned a spot on the credits. And yeah. is no longer guest starring. They're a feature now. <laughs> okay, so with the speaking of learning segue, Mitch brings up Jack and Joanne Allen, who he met <gasps> at, at church. church. Um, and Connie goes, you go to church? Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy because we see then from Connie's perspective, Mitch turns from a beautiful bisexual man into just this enormous t-bone steak and her eyes just get really wide and she starts drooling no what bitch turns into is a john avery whitaker that she can fuck oh right yeah i think it's like a stockholm syndrome kind of <laughs> like i've been saved uh i've got to fuck my savior kind of complex which is very similar to how christians talk about jesus christ that is true and also how they talk about each other sometimes Mm -hmm. um but here's the other thing maine as a person who lives in new england notorious for being the least religiously led state like the majority Mm. of people in maine are not religiously affiliated at all so it's funny that he comes from a state that's like like godless and then he's like i'm a christian (laughs) well and the the uh, the weight that the word church is doing there where because it's immediately if you say you go to church it will a thousand percent be acceptable to the midwest christians that's the same thing and i think that's that's something that they can't assume yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. but to be fair at least he went to the same church as jack and joanne allen and they are upstanding christians yeah once he yeah once he got into odyssey he went to a correct church and met the correct people but yeah just saying oh i went to church is that the church of latter-day saints is that a science church is that a baptist church is that a unitarian Unitarian universalist wow you two there are huge differences in that word or if he wasn't wanting to i mean if he wasn't wanting to say other things like he might have said church instead of mosque or a church instead of synagogue like i don't know i don't know yeah Right. Do you guys want to do a game where we go around in a circle and we have to say a, a denomination and whoever takes like three seconds to say one is out? Ooh, or is okay. that stupid? No, no, let's do okay. it real quick. All right, this... let's let's do uh, our counting okay. order from earlier. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I'm going to start off with the one that I grew up in, Wesleyan. Baptist. Episcopal. Methodist. Pentecostal. Presbyterian. Calvinist. Lutheran. Southern Baptist. Uh, Unitarian. Catholic. Mennonite. Orthodox. Fuck. What the hell? I can't think oh, of a single one. Oh, snip ruined it. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. That's fun. That was fun. But I All feel right. good about that, that out of the three of us, I have healed from religion, religious trauma the most. Uh, well, yeah. I'm, gonna I, take well, I'm that still win. obsessed with religion and I still read and listen to things about it all the time yeah actually that's true (laughs) just true for all of us but (laughs) i i have thought about like i would love to get like a religious studies degree and like write a like i mean don't you kind of already have one 
Yes, I mean like <laughs> uh, external perspective on the religion. Oh, you know? oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. that was pretty mind blowing. Whenever I took my first um, literature course, we read the Torah or part of the Torah from a secular perspective, and that was world opening for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Bart Ehrman. If you want to read about the Bible as literature instead of as like basic instructions before leaving earth basically Mm -hmm. it's fascinating and it is kind of cool to be able to see like okay there can be some value to this it is just not the value that i was taught to put onto it right it's it's fascinating and 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 it is kind of a fun way to be able to reclaim some of the things that like those are foundational memories and values for me and being able to like I, i can't just replace those right at least that's that's my experience and so being able to reclaim them in a new way um is is important and valuable to me right and it just is homey i mean this is what we grew up with this is everything we knew before we had to totally detach ourselves from stability to start questioning Mm -hmm. this stuff and um it's comforting it's comforting to think of a world that it that this being presented to us as children isn't complex Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think comforting is is a really good way to put it because yeah losing your faith for me, was a devastating, like, it was like a, the collapse of a building. Right. Or maybe two buildings. Right. On the same day. From... <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, well, during 9-11 was my first abortion appointment. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Wait, I thought you had one scheduled for Y2K. I did, but then I miscarried. That was convenient. Yeah, Oop. it actually. Dodged I think. I think it was the stress of Y two K that really did it. So at least that mm-hmm. one was kind of done for me. That, but you know, I did take my punch card in, and I, they did punch it for me. So at least um, the I baby got or your punch card. No, n- well, <laughs> uh, the punch card <laughs> to, to to make this podcast as uh, as open for everybody as possible. Here's the punch card. <laughs> <laughs> but coming up on my free abortion soon oh that is so nice i am kind of jealous that i just like physically can't have an abortion yeah there's so much fun. I, I, think it, I think it was the stress of 9-11 that caused me to have an abortion <laughs> i think it was i think it was the pure un- unadulterated homoeroticism that not of 9-11 that made me gay <laughs> Yeah, well. um, and weirdly enough, I remember uh, performing that abortion on you, Pidge. <laughs> well, you just had one done a few minutes earlier. Yeah, so, so I knew like exactly what see, to do. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got one of those hand mixers and just put one of the mixing things on it and just... Yeah. That was actually how you fell in love because, um, because, you know, like the scenes where, oh, I don't know how to golf. Ooh, let me put... Like, hand-over-hand teaching, that's how you taught Pidge to hand-over-hand perform their own abortion. Yeah, and then I artificially inseminated them the same way that you do a cow with those gloves Mm -hmm. that go up to your shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think my problem is that my chaos peaks whenever I'm sober. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I'm saying way too much this episode. (laughs) Well... Um, you know, at some point this this cycle of yes ending, we have to we have to be we have to find samsara. Somebody from has this to say no sometime. Yes and. <laughs> okay, so Tom. I'm sorry, I just I want to say I, I I made a uh, oh wait I think I made an incorrect Buddhist 
theology joke. Uh, samsara, I think, is the cycle of death and rebirth, and you need to find, oh, Nirvana is yeah. the escape from it. We need to find Nirvana from this samsara of, yes, and. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, 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 I do think there's probably a lot of listeners who, like me, left Christianity and were, were like, I need the structure of religion. I'll I'll become a Buddhist. And then you're like, ah, oh, damn it. This is also religiously dogmatic and also culturally appropriative. And, or did you guys not do that? No, we just became communists. Oh, that's... Yeah, yeah. we became Nova commies. Yeah. Uh, aforementioned. Which yeah. actually, mm -hmm. communism has a lot of alignment with Jesus's teachings. So in wow. a weird way, we've come kind of full circle. Yeah, when I told my parents I was no longer a Christian, Jesus Christ, this might be a two-part episode. <laughs> 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 yeah, actually, I think it's good that this is going to be a two-part episode because yeah. we haven't even gotten to the protest yet. No. <laughs> um, when I told my parents, I, I was stupid and I had the I'm gay and I'm an atheist conversation with my parents at the same time. Oh, good. That always goes Just well. rip it off like a band-aid. Yeah. It was a lot to swallow, but I told them that, like, if anything, I feel like I am more um in line with jesus's teachings now mm -hmm. and so uh, and i told him if there is a god and if he really is a god of love and mercy then he will either see that and honor that in me or he's not someone i want to spend eternity with yeah i heard a joke so. yesterday that was like if i had a nickel for every time a christian called another or like gatekeep oh hold on let me start that over again if I had a dime for every time a Christian gatekeeps Christianity from another Christian, I would be able to feed everyone they both ignore. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of all of this Christianity, all of the stuff that we were taught to believe, all of the good parts of it, which I do think that there are good parts of it, lead us back mm. to these values of community care, of not rejecting people because they're different from you of having sex workers be part of your life not because they stopped being sex workers but because they're still good people mm -hmm. taking care of minorities whether or not they are originally from where you happen to live or not right and sometimes that requires protesting mm -hmm. which wow yeah adventures and odyssey is demonizing so much and personally this timing is crazy yesterday we were at a protest of about 800 people um, for more, Palestine. actually. More than 800 people for Palestine. And um, so it's just kind of funny listening to a podcast of old conservatives in the 2000s, like basically shitting on people like us in my childhood. And then for me to later grow up and re-listen to this as an organizer, as somebody who actively protests for things that obviously Adventures in Odyssey would be against. And... Mm -hmm. um, to see that we actually are doing work and things are actually happening and it is benefiting somebody else. And um, it's just really fascinating, like revisiting this. I yeah. think this is why we revisit it, though, is to realize how yeah. much we've grown and changed and how much mm -hmm. despite we were despite the fact that we were told this propaganda like rhetoric our entire childhoods, we still are the people we are. And I think that's one of the hard things to realize is we grew up listening to this stuff, right? Of like, accept people, uh, listen to people, help them when they need help, just be a kind person. And then when we grow up to say, all right, let's do that. Let's do those things. You're like, no, 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 no. That's not how we wanted you to interpret it. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. how else are we supposed to interpret it? Like the modern American manifestation of this stuff is completely antithetical to what you're teaching, to what the Bible says, to what you're teaching your kids to do later on in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very similar to what I was about to say. It's like it's it's kind of become tropey in like evangelical circles now or whatever. But the but I mean it's it's tropey because it's true for a lot of people. I guess it's that. Like, I had to leave Christianity because I took Jesus too seriously. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. I mean, plus, you think about these issues. Like, somebody was just pointing out the Bible is adamantly pro-slavery. Mm-hmm. So why does nobody talk about that or have a problem with it? Well, we've already dealt with this, the <laughs> yeah, we we really dealt with the slavery problem in the 1860s. We don't have to worry about that part of the Bible anymore because we know that God's right no matter what. Yeah, no need to confront our own racism and classism uh, whenever we could just pretend that part doesn't matter. And it just, uh, for me, it's like, uh, this is a argument I want to have someday with my sister of uh, mm-hmm. the like, look, girl, the, the arguments in the bible that you are pointing to to not go to our gay brother's wedding um those are very similar to the arguments that you would have pointed to 200 years ago to to say why you think it's okay for you to be enslaving people right and probably like it's, it's weird that you can discount those passages those new testament passages about how to treat the people you enslave um, and how the people who are enslaved should treat the people enslaving them. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are in the same part of the Bible as as the passages that they're pointing to uh, for to to justify their homophobia. Right. They talk about the Proverbs 31 woman so often. I mean, how many times have we heard that whole spiel about how, well, maybe not the two of you being raised AMAB, but I heard all the time about how I should be that woman. And one of the first descriptions of her is that is how she treats her slaves. It doesn't that like that was like the the most important aspect of her is that she feeds her family and that she's nice to her slaves. I do think sorry not to be too whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's important that we maybe use a different term like people who are enslaved or enslaved people or yeah. something like that. Actually, yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, which yeah, I don't say that to like be a bitch. Just as much, just I think I think it's good to be able to have conversations and to be able to kind of help each other with how we talk about things no yeah completely i was not thinking about my terminology but now that you pointed it out i realize how definitely offensive it is to refer to people as a function of oppression rather than as Mm -hmm. people you are completely Mm -hmm. right yeah thank you for calling me out Uh, on that you're welcome you're welcome and i don't think less of you for it i just i don't know i think it's a great it's an opportunity yeah it's an opportunity for us to learn and for me to learn thank you yeah yeah, look at us. <laughs> We're exemplifying how to have these conversations and stay open-minded yeah. and not just, like, be mad because you know better or you knew better about something than I did. Because now mm-hmm. we're both better people. So. Right. Good example. Wow. Yeah. Good conversation. When do, you, <laughs> yeah. when, when do you think in the recording was the last moment we actually talked about this? No, episode? I know exactly <laughs> where we were, actually. Because we were right at where Tom comes in with the poster of Wit and Bart's protest. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Tom comes in, <clears throat> interrupting um, Mitch and Connie's flirting. And 
he says, wow, this this feels so much heavier now (laughs) (laughs) after that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do we all need like a like a deep breath to get back into the sillies? Um. (sighs) Oh, I've got some sillies coming up, though. Good. Okay. I mean, all of my jokes are totally improv. Did I think of them right in the moment? and I don't plan them ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah, 100 (laughs) percent. And they are always appropriate. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Tom comes in with a poster of what is looking like Wit and Bart's co-protest, even though Wit mm-hmm. has said no. Bart went ahead and put his face on the poster, which, to be fair, according to the description, it didn't say that Wit was hosting the protest or approved of the protest. It just had his photo and a quote that he actually said about Novacom. Right. And like, man... If you got a hottie like John Avery Whitaker, you gotta put him on your advertisements. Yeah. It's just sex appeal. Sex sells. Yeah. Well, and from the viewpoint of them, he's the moral leader of the town. So if you say, this guy definitely supports what we're doing, you're going to get more people to be with you. Yep. And I'm sorry, but no movement has made any progress without a little bit of fudging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tom's mad. Mitch feels betrayed, and Connie won't believe it. Yep. Uh, and Tom goes to look for Wit in the park, where he's allegedly jogging and not just cruising in the bathroom closest to where the senior citizens Tai Chi class is going on. <laughs> right. Uh, and then Mitch stomps off and goes, "This is gonna wreck everything." Yeah. And then Connie goes, "But," and here I expected her to say, "But Misa doing nothing." <laughs> <laughs> But she doesn't. She just says, but he wouldn't do this. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like fighting for uh, protecting kids and the content that they consume is right up his alley. Yeah, right. Why wouldn't he do this? Unless she means Wit is a narcissistic asshole and he wouldn't go along with something he's not in charge of. Or is Wit like anti-constitution? Um, He's anti-American. Wow. Yeah. It's really interesting because you could see it as an extension of his writing, of his radio, of his grumblings to other people at Witsense. So it, I think for the majority of people in Odyssey, it would make sense that the next step would be to go physically stand outside of Novacom. Yeah. And mm-hmm. protest about the content. Like, that's not that big of a leap to say that, oh, Wit wouldn't do this. It's, like, the next step on his journey. What are you talking about? Right. Also, as a person who likes to stay informed, if people are out protesting, it allows me an opportunity to learn a different perspective. I think that it's really valuable because, as a listener, I can't see a single thing that Novacom is doing wrong. Mm -hmm. So I would really like to see what protesters would say to understand what the fuck their problem is. Because this is – they've been nothing but, like, super polite – Mm-hmm. And then allegedly pro-violence, even though we haven't heard or seen anything that actually proves that. <laughs> yeah. Because all we are hearing is the opinion of John Avery Whitaker. Yeah. Which which is try like it's funny because Adventures in Odyssey is trying to form our opinions based upon the opinions of John Avery Whitaker. And that's what he's doing to the people of Odyssey too. <laughs> yeah. Adventures in gaslighting. So, yeah. Well, and the fact that he could be like I have a problem with this, but I wouldn't stoop to protesting Mm -hmm. is almost how 
he words it and if the Rathbones are supposed to be Jewish coded there is all like there is a legacy then that we have to contend with of um, progressive Jewish movements right they did protest they were participating in labor struggles they were doing these sorts of things and so connecting that as like a no this is a thing that um, are underhanded members of society do if they have an issue they they they're unable to articulate it through words they're just gonna protest they're just gonna mm-hmm. show up and if i'm not mistaken yeah. um which please correct me if i am but i believe in this current moment jewish voices are some of the most important and most valuable in this conversation about palestine i think jewish people in the u.s the majority of whom are against the genocide um, it's just interesting to hear this <laughs> kind of take that's like, oh, Jewish leftists are always pushing for protests about nothing in a time mm-hmm. that Jewish protests are like the most valuable voices in uh, anti-Zionist uh, conversations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very it's relevant. Just, to, to me, yeah. I take it as because Wit is going to tell Mitch later in this episode, maybe someday I'll join a protest against Novacom. It really has everything to do with Bart. Bart's in charge of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which they see eye to eye on. I mean, Bart came to Wit first to offer up an opportunity to discuss and figure out where they align and what they both want to do about it. And Wit just refuses to have the conversation altogether. He's against mm-hmm. the protest. Fine. What is he for? Is he for having conversations with parents? Is he for having like kind of a community center? conversation that people come to wit's end after it closes to discuss what they're going to do how they feel about it no it's not any conversation about including the public it's just Mm -hmm. no i'm going to do what i want to do because i'm the local business owner of odyssey and you you all have to listen to me right yeah because like a protest including other people means that it doesn't just get to be wit's voice right and from the sound of it there were a fair amount of people from odyssey there it wasn't just the rathbones and like two people right Mm -hmm. yeah i'm curious if we want to put a you know just close the book on this chapter and and do a another one starting with the protest yeah that's a good idea okay that is probably a good idea should we do a prayer then to end this up yep i think we should on the cusp of the proletarian revolution (laughs) happening outside of (laughs) novacom Let us all joy in our voice in solidarity. <laughs> and pray to Aunt Edna, right? Oh, right. Who's gonna pray to yeah. Aunt Edna? I've had my finger on my, my nose, turn. so it's not me. Yeah. I think it is my turn because I yes, asked first, both of you please. to go the last two episodes. Yep. All right. All right, we'll make this quick because we've got to do another episode now. Hold hands, <laughs> hold hands. Okay, okay, God. Jeez. Uh, uh, Pidge, stop squeezing my hand. Uh, Pidgey, <clears throat> I know that you wanted to pray, but you've got to cool it. Yeah. <sighs> um, Amabs, please remove your hats. Afabs, please cover your heads as the Bible instructs. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Beautiful Aunt Edna, we come before you today. Uh, just, we, we throw ourselves at your feet. Uh, just so humble and thankful here as we just cast ourselves down before those piggies and uh first i want to ask you to 
just help Pidge not be such a hand squeezer. And secondly, we just want to thank you for um, for for guiding us. Pigeon's eyes are the... open. God damn it, Pigeon. Pigeon, close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't just pretend to be a real pigeon and get out of this, okay? Not again. Yeah, we're going to have to call the pelican to scoop you up if you don't behave. <laughs> the prayer pelican. <laughs> ah, sorry about that, Aunt Edna. Um, we just want to thank you for guiding... Uh, the the our side of the class struggle throughout history, uh, starting back when you lived in England in the 1800s, and you studied the works of the Bronte sisters, and you had the fortitude that I don't have um, to read all of them and not think that they're all very disturbing. And you inspired Elizabeth Gaskell to write about the plight of workers in Manchester. And now I'm just reading your Wikipedia page aloud. And we just ask you that um, we just will enjoy the rest of the day and that we will um, fuck up every system that uh, rises against us. Uh, and it's in your beautiful, wonderful, and I gotta say, bosomy name we pray. Amen. Amen. A woman. <laughs> the woman. Ooh, I can only imagine what this pot'll bring to the people. Can you hear us sing? Wow, you're going for the you, know, you were doing on the fly improv rhymes and everything. Yeah, you have no idea how much we've practiced this over the last I don't know four years of just parodying anything that we can. Mm. We love making up uh, parody songs for our pets. Yes, oh, we just yes, sing to yes. our pets all day. It's Me very too. great. Uh, that's I, a Santa baby about our cat Stella. I I just do um, parodies of the the songs from Cats with my dog. So like, oh well, never was there ever a dog so clever as Zip. Because his name is just one syllable, but Magical Mr. Mistopheles is a lot more syllables. <laughs> also, I like to call him Zippy Dippy Dots, like Jenny Any Dots. Oh, our most recent um, rendition for our most recent audition uh, is our dog Fable. And her song is the Thomas O'Malley from the Aristocats. That she's Fabby Waby Baby. Uh, Shamu second placey because she's the second black and white animal in the house. She's Fable slash Wiggles. She's Fable the super pup. I'm telling you, we're very experienced in the the pet parodies. Yeah, did you tell. like it? Yeah, sorry, my reaction wasn't great. I spilled tea all over my desk. 